The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. A happy Thursday to you, Chadville. A gorgeous day in the capital region. A beautiful, beautiful fall day. Hope you're getting the opportunity to enjoy it just a little bit. A lot to cover on the show today. And let's get right to it. Debate is underway on the throne speech. And we're waiting to see if the minority government will pass a confidence vote. The Conservatives have said they won't support the throne speech. The Bloc Québécois has said it won't either. And so that leaves the NDP. And leader Jagmeet Singh has some demand of his own, including legislation assuring that Canadians left jobless due to the pandemic won't have their emergency benefits cut and that Canadians who fall ill will get paid sick leave, as you've been hearing over the last couple of hours on that front. Earlier today, the Liberals introduced a a bill to create new benefits to help people uh, weather the next stage of the pandemic, including a plan to increase weekly benefits for unemployed workers to $500 a week. So the government must allow six days of debate on the throne speech, but they don't have to be consecutive days. No date has been set for the vote. The throne speech yesterday, you heard it right here on 630, Ched promised to do whatever it takes to protect Canadians' lives and provide financial support for the length of the pandemic. It also included making a, quote, significant long-term sustained investment in a Canada-wide child care system. Here's the Governor-General. It has been nearly 50 years since the Royal Commission on the Status of Women outlined the necessity of child care services for women's social and economic equality. We have long understood that Canada cannot succeed if half the population is held back. Canadians need more accessible, affordable, inclusive, and high-quality childcare. Recognizing the urgency of this challenge, the government will make a significant long-term sustained investment to create a Canada-wide early learning and childcare system. It is a promise heard many times over the years. Will it happen now? Well, joining us this afternoon is the Minister of Families, Children and Social Development and the Liberal MP for York Southwestern, Ahmed Hussain. Minister, welcome to 630 Chet in Edmonton. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. All right, so as we heard in that clip from the Governor-General, it has been 50 years since the Royal Commission on the Status of Women made it clear that access to affordable childcare is one of the biggest hurdles standing the way of women's economic equality. Minister, why has this taken so long? Well, the last time that uh, the federal government made a serious effort to establish a national childcare program in 2006, the New Democrats uh, joined the Conservatives in uh, killing that uh, that effort. Uh, we hope this time that that does not happen. We're very much committed to creating a Canada-wide system of early learning and childcare to give all parents access to high-quality and affordable childcare. However, um, just to answer your question again, uh, to there has been a foundation that we've built over the last number of years, creating 40,000 affordable childcare spaces across the country, investing uh, over a billion dollars just this year to, to support the sector hit hard by COVID-19 pandemic. We're committed uh, $7.5 billion in uh, investing in early learning and childcare over the next number of years. So that ambitious program continues, but now what we're saying is that we, we need to establish a Canada-wide uh, system for early learning and childcare and make the necessary investments to get us there. This is something that will 
literally close the gap between men and women in terms of access to the labor market. And Minister, and I appreciate what you're saying there, and you, and you talk about uh, the history of, uh, of a national child care program in this country, and in fact, it goes back, um, from my research, as far back as 1993, Paul Martin tried to put something in place uh, then back in the, in the 2000s, uh, Michael Ignatieff brought it up in his 2011 election bid, the New Democrats made $15 a daycare uh, campaign pledge in their failed bid for power in 2015, and your government did the same thing in 2015. It was a part of the platform saying it would create a national early learning and child care framework. And that was the exact same words, hold on, that we heard used yesterday, five years on. Why, no, why no, would pol- people believe we, that this we, is going to happen now? No, no, we established a framework, a, a pan-Canadian framework for early learning and child care, which means that uh, we reached bilateral agreements with provinces and territories to help them implement that framework. It was not uh, a Canada-wide system of, of uh, completely affordable childcare. We, we were building the foundations, and we've invested significantly every single year, including this year. And this year, in addition to the regular investments as part of the bilateral agreement, in addition to that, we've invested an additional $625 million as part of the Safe Restart Agreement for this sector to survive and, and, and thrive. So a total of over a billion dollars just in the next eight months between now and, and, and the end of fiscal 2020-2021. So uh, that's the foundation. But what we are saying is now we have heard from businesses and from labor and from parents and stakeholders to really take that last step of establishing a truly national program. We're not going to do that overnight, obviously. We need to train up and, uh, and, and, and increase the number of early childhood educators. We need course, to increase yes. the infrastructure uh, for, for child care centers. This is also, of course, an investment in Canada's future. If having kids have access to quality and affordable child care is significant in terms of their future uh, growth and contributions to our economy and to our society. But it, it also literally will close the gap between men and women in terms of labor force participation. The province of Quebec went from being last in terms mm-hmm. of having uh, women participate in the labor market to being first when they introduced uh, affordable child care. We're going to learn from that model and we'll improve on it as well as from other countries. Yeah, I was, I was curious to know, um, you know, what model you will be focusing on to build on it. So, you know, we, we've touched and we heard that uh, the Quebec system could be a model for the rest of, of the country. What are the what are the pros of that model and, and what are the cons? What do you think that needs to be to, to, to be fixed on that front or or yeah. um, improved upon? Well, the, the pros are that uh, the model dramatically increased uh, affordability for families and, and gave access to children uh, for daycare and childcare. It also, of course, as I said, dramatically increased the number of women who could then join the workforce. And not only people who were not working because they didn't have access to affordable childcare, women who then joined the workforce, but it also gives opportunities for women who are working part-time to then choose to go full-time or take additional hours because they have access to childcare. So there's a lot to learn from the Quebec model. What we also learned is some of the early challenges. So some of the early challenges including included, uh, you know, the uh, unprecedented demand, which led to sometimes a drop in quality in some segments of the childcare system in Quebec. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're going to learn from that. So as we move um, ambitiously 
to to in, improve affordability and increase spaces, we also have to keep an eye on quality. You cannot just increase affordability and spaces at the expense of quality. Canadian parents need both accessible quality and affordable childcare. So all three have to go together. And we're going to rely on not just the Quebec experience, but also our international counterparts. A lot of studies have been done on this. The Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development has compiled a huge number of studies based on a number of countries who have embarked on this before Canada. Minister, we know that um, you know previous attempts have not necessarily worked because, first off, daycare is a, is a provincial responsibility and provinces didn't want to give up some power. How do you make this work between the province and the feds when there is a history of it not working? Uh, I'm curious, you know, if you're worried about straying too far into provincial jurisdiction. Just uh, yesterday, um, Alberta Premier Jason Kenney, in response to yesterday's throne speech, said there were, quote, more policies in the throne speech that would invade provincial jurisdiction than he could count and he called it a full frontal attack on federalism your response well, uh, my response to that is would be that uh, we will of course do this with provinces and territories not against them uh, this is this is a, a canadian uh, challenge that we have to deliver and canadian uh, canadian parents especially women who would like to have access to affordable Childcare, not as a luxury, but as a necessity, as a necessity for them to thrive economically and socially. They expect us to work together. They don't expect uh, one level of government to do this. They expect us to work together. They expect us to put our heads together and our resources together. This will be a joint effort. And if you look at the pan Canadian framework that we brought in for early learning and childcare in 2017, it works great. We have bilateral agreements with every single province and territory. We transfer funds. Uh, federally to, uh, to to provinces to deliver more affordable spaces. We we have reporting mechanisms and accountability mechanisms. And so in exchange for that federal leadership, provinces have come along. Uh, we expect that then provinces and territories to also join us in this journey to finally have a Canada-wide system. Now, how will that look will depend on, on the feedback we get from provinces and territories as well. And as I said, we're going to do this together. We don't, you know, we don't have a fully cooked plan. We, we expect any plan that will, will come along to be a plan that will emphasize affordability, accountability, uh, quality, and, uh, and inclusivity, uh, and, uh, and, and make sure that we deliver for Canadians. And how, how we do that is something that we all have to work together. And, and I, have, I have a lot of confidence in the ability of provinces and territories to see that this is a national project. This is not just something that is uh, is the priority of the federal government. This is a priority for all Canadian parents. Minister Hussain, you said, you know, we don't have a fully cooked um, uh, plan. We don't have a fully cooked program uh, yet. There's a lot of people that would that would define yesterday's throne speech as 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 not being uh, fully cooked, that there's a lot of details that are are there. Well, that just aren't there whatsoever. And we sit here and, and we wait. So how long do we wait for? How when does this start to you know, unroll? When do we start working on this? And what does that look like? Well, I think that there's two, two phases to it. One is we have to, uh, I think, demonstrate very, very quickly some early results and momentum to demonstrate to Canadians that this remains a priority. 
One of that would be to establish an, a secretary, a federal secretariat, together with provinces and territories, for early learning and childcare to share best practices, to get really um, high-quality data and research to share across uh, our federation, but also um, to start the process of building the system. Building a system for early learning and childcare is not going to be an overnight process. As I said, we need to dramatically increase the number of early childhood educators. We need to dramatically increase the number of spaces, but also uh, work on the infrastructure behind uh, the early learning and childcare sector. Where, where, you know, if that means building more centers and, and providing resources to do that, we will do that. But, uh, but, but we have to do it together. We, we cannot do it alone. Joining us this afternoon is the Minister of Families, Children and Social Development and the Liberal MP for York Southwestern, uh, Ahmed Hussein, joining us. And we appreciate your time. I was reading an article earlier suggesting that creating um, a program like this nationally, uh, something like what Quebec has done, but doing it nationally, uh, could cost as much as $11, $12 billion a year. Now, we know that um, the, the federal government would get some money back. Tax revenue is women getting back to work but how do you you know balance that initial cost and people are looking at money right now saying where are we paying for all of this can you help people wrap their head around that well I, I think what what we've also heard very loudly and clearly is the cost of having uh, you know a percentage of women being held back from participating in the economy and contributing to our tax base because they cannot afford uh, childcare and because they don't have access to affordable childcare. That is also a cost, and that cost uh, far exceeds the cost of having uh, affordable an affordable uh, system of childcare in this country. So, so I think when we talk about costs, we need to talk about the costs of inaction, of keeping our kids away from a, a high-quality early learning and childcare system. We need to calculate the costs of keeping uh, a, a huge number of women away from the workforce because they don't have access to childcare. The gender gap in, in, in labor force participation is about 7 to 8%, meaning you know there's 8% less women than men who, who participate in the, in the labor market. And many, many studies have demonstrated that when you introduce affordable childcare into the mix, that gap uh, is closed and women are able to, 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 to get into the workforce. Those are the costs that we also have to calculate. The costs of inaction are quite dramatic and, and we would gain much more as a society uh, in terms of uh, women's labor market participation, but also in terms of outcomes for kids when they have access to quality and affordable childcare. Well, there's a lot of women and a lot of families that have been waiting five decades for it, <laughs> uh, to, to be real. Um, I, before I let you go, uh, Minister, I wanted to just touch on this because this is something that is um, very important to Edmonton right now and certainly yeah. the city of Edmonton. Uh, well, earlier this week, uh, you announced uh, new rapid housing, the new rapid housing initiative uh, to yeah. help address urgent needs of vulnerable people, a, a big hunk of money. I think it was a billion dollars going to the, to the big cities. I know our mayor... Um, uh, Don Iveson has been in contact with you, hoping to get that yes. money directly to the cities. Um, yes. wh where does that stand? What does that look like? Well, first of all, the Rapid Housing Initiative is a billion dollars going directly 
to uh, communities affected by homelessness. And on top of that, there was an announcement of additional 237 to almost $237 million for the uh-huh. federal anti-homelessness program called Reaching Home. So it was actually two announcements. And it was very much welcomed by uh, municipal leaders because they've been asking for this. So the $1 sure billion dollars is, 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 when we say rapid housing, it's exactly that. It will be for housing that can be built in 12 months or less or properties that can be acquired, hotels, motels, and other properties mm-hmm. that can be acquired and converted into housing in 12 months or less. If a project applicant cannot demonstrate that, then they cannot they cannot get access to that uh, to that money. So we have we have confidence that uh, cities like Edmonton will benefit from this project from this funding because they have been calling for this kind of federal funding for a while. They've been saying that there's a number of discounted motels and properties that they would like to turn into permanent housing for Edmonton's. Uh, uh, homeless population, and through the Rapid Housing Initiative, Mayor Iverson and City Council will be able to do exactly that, and I have no doubt that Edmonton would, will get its fair share as part of this initiative. Because and Minister, I want to... Sorry, go ahead. Because they're ready, and they've been calling for this, and I, I know that they have a number of properties and a number of plans already in place, so it's just a matter of applying. And by the way, last but not least, the yeah. rapid nature of this fund is not just in, 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 in the properties but in also getting the money out the door we expect the lion's share of this funding to be out the door and be committed and invested before the end of fiscal uh, next year so so we're talking about you know the vast majority about 75 80 percent of this money out the door before march 2021 now in relative relative to other programs that's lightning speed and that is something that again the municipal leaders have welcomed as well as the amount. The amount is significant, a billion dollars to house temporarily those who we've managed to house, uh, sorry, to house permanently those who we've been managed to house temporarily because of COVID-19. Minister, before I let you go, is 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 the government not worried about how, you know, we're going to pay for all of these programs and all everything that has been unrolled or you know unveiled, rolled out over the past six months? And I understand that a lot of it, of course, is needed, but there is many many Canadians out there that are wondering what this means for them next year, five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now. What do you say to them? I'll say a number of things. First of all, I mean, we we are very much aware of the importance of having a fiscal plan in place to not only contribute to to to, to growth, but to to the resiliency of our economy, but also our community. We will come out with a fiscal plan to demonstrate our plan for for growth and for emerging out of this pandemic and into the recovery. The second point that I just wanted to quickly make before. Uh, I leave you is that uh, is that the costs of inaction would have far outweighed the costs of action. Uh, we would have been in a much deeper deficit, and and it would have been much harder to even come out of that had we not spent to, uh, money to support Canadian businesses, Canadian workers, and Canadian families. Um, employ, you know, employers are able to keep their employees employed because of the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy, which we've extended to next summer. Those kinds of programs have kept us going. And if you look at the latest job numbers, you see the last two job number reports, you see uh, an unmistakable uh, recovery. We're not completely out of the woods, but you see encouraging numbers 
of jobs coming back into the market. And that's precisely what we thought would happen due to our investments and will continue to have the backs of Canadians as we uh, slowly recover from COVID-19. Minister, we'll have to leave it there. I want to thank you thank for you. Um, giving up your time this afternoon. I appreciate your thoughts. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Take care now. That is Minister Ahmed Hussain, who is the Minister of Families, Children, Social Development. Um, you know, we talk about that um, child care announcement that was in the throne speech. Of course, again, I've said it many times you know devils in the details and we don't know those details and, and how that's going to look and how is it going to to roll out and when and where